So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Becky Keefe is an author and speaker who loves encouraging women in the thick of it. She works as the community manager for Encourage by Dayspring, a website that connects women to God's Word through stories from our ordinary, often messy lives. Becky has been married for 13 years to her husband, Chris, and they have three spirited sons, ages 6, 8, and 10. They live in Southern California and love hiking in their local foothills. Becky's first book will release this October with Bethany House. Without further ado, here's Becky. Hey, Becky. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's my joy to be here with you. So you are the mom to three boys. You are hard set on celebrating life in the thick of it and capturing the grit and beauty of ordinary days. What practical advice would you give to mothers who find themselves in similar um, seasons of ordinary days? Oh, well, first I would just say I'm cheering you on, <laughs> mamas. Yeah. Motherhood is hard. Um, and my boys are a little bit older now. I have finally, I'm in a season that I thought that I would never honestly get to. My, so my boys are now 10 eight and a half and six and a half. Um, but gosh, for so long, I was just home with three little ones um, full time. And so I just want to first say just um, it's, it's a hard, hard season if you are home with lots of littles or even with school age kids. Um, and I found that at least for me and I, I've you know, spoken and written to thousands of moms and I hear over and over again that exhaustion and discontentment can so easily crowd out the joy of motherhood. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's been my experience. And so, if, you know, thinking about what's some practical advice to give to moms in ordinary days, um, I think one, if you can get outside, fresh air, um, was like soul medicine for me, um, in the thick of those ordinary days. I think when we can get outside, feel the sun on our skin, give our kiddos room to play is amazing. But an interesting thing for me that I really found was when I got outside with my kids, there's something, this amazing childlike wonder that our kids have, right? The way mm -hmm. they pick up rocks or um, examine a leaf or want to hold a roly poly for, you know, for minutes and just stare at it. And I found that my joy reignited by learning to see the world through um, the lens of their eyes. And that was um, a real game changer for me. Yeah. You know, it's been raining here a lot lately. And so just yesterday, the sun finally was shining and it was, I took that sort of deep breath and told my husband, I didn't realize how much I missed the sun. Mm -hmm. And so I a hundred percent agree with you. And then it makes me think too of, um, you know, like I think fatigue makes cowards of us all. Mm. So in those, in those seasons of fatigue and exhaustion. Uh, I appreciate your advice because I totally get that. Yeah. Um, I also found you, that. 
I also go ahead. I was just saying. I also found another thing about that season is that's a season where I really learned to practice gratitude, and mm-hmm. that was another just huge shift in my perspective of going from feeling like just kind of stuck in the mundane to really seeing like each small moment as a gift that it was from mm-hmm. God and the gift of my kids. Um, and that childlike wonder, you know, played into that. And so just to keep, just to keep a list, whether, you know, it's tucked in your diaper bag or in your purse or just, you know, a notebook on your kitchen counter to, to write down those, those little joy moments that you experience throughout the day, because then when those hard moments come and they do right, when your kid mm-hmm. is throwing a tantrum or you're having like a roadblock with homework or just that hard disciplinary moment, and it just feels like, oh, the weight can feel so hard. And then you can remember, okay, this was one part of my day was hard, but look at all of the other gifts and beauty and joy that we experienced. And I feel like we have to learn to be remembers um, in the midst of our motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. Perspective. Um, so you regularly speak to women's groups and love cheering on fellow moms. Mm-hmm. And one of your most popular talks is about believing and embracing that you're the right mom. So why do you think that women question our abilities in this area? I know I, I have. Oh, gosh. There are so many reasons. Um, I think we question our ability as the right mom for our kids because we care so much and it feels like there's so much at stake. Like mm-hmm. we just, we want, we want to love our kids well. We want to train them up in the Lord. We want to help them flourish and thrive. Um, and um, for me too, like motherhood, also reveals a lot of our own junk. It reveals yeah. our selfishness. It reveals our unreal, unrealistic expectations, whether that's of ourselves or others. And then there's the whole comparison, you know, peril of, you know, pitting our known weaknesses against the highlight reels that we see on social media, for example, of other, how other women are doing motherhood or even just the pictures in our own head of what we thought motherhood would be like. Mm, I feel like all of those things can lead to these feelings of inadequacy. And really, um, for me, what it boiled down to was this sinking feeling that another mom would do a better job in my shoes. And so um, I'm actually um, writing a book about this very topic that's called No Better Mom for the Job. Um, And it's going to come out um, this October. And it's all about addressing these feelings of inadequacy and what it looks like instead to parent um, with confidence that God gives us because he didn't make a mistake. He didn't make the mistake Mm. in making me the mom of my three spirited boys and I know that he didn't make the mistake um, in pairing any mom up, whether they came to motherhood through the labor of long delivery or the labor of prayer and paperwork to get that courtroom, courtroom declaration of adoption, that God didn't make a mistake. And so what does it look like to, to parent with the confidence that he gives us? Yeah, this sounds so relevant. You know, one of the things that I tell my daughter quite a bit is I'm so glad that that God gave me you. Like, Mm. I feel so lucky to be your mom. And then the other day she actually responded back and she said, I'm so glad that God gave me you too, mommy. And so it was one of those moments like, yes, we're the perfect fit, you know, but I can see so much of what you're saying is just so true. um, And it's proven true in my um, journey as a mother. Yeah. Um, So staying on this topic of motherhood, you talk about the internal wrestling match that we experience. Mm -hmm. So how have you come to terms with how motherhood 
defines you, but is not the definition of all of you. Mm -hmm. I think wrestling match is a good description of that. Um, As a young mom with um, three little, so I had my three boys in three and a half years. Just wow. that's a lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Please, <laughs> I need I need I need a moment for that. Um, but I just often felt just so consumed by the daily needs and demands of my kiddos. I felt like honestly, I felt like a butt wiper and a milk machine a lot of yeah. days. Yeah, and I just felt like I was losing who I was apart from all that I was doing um, for my kids. And then this guilt like creeped in because I wouldn't trade my life for anything. Right. Um, so it was like a coming to terms with like, Hey, how motherhood is so much a very, it's a huge part of me. I feel like it's this banner over me and yet who I, who am I in the midst of it and also apart from it. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like one thing that really helped me kind of wrestle through that was finding things that gave me joy, both with, and without my kids. So with my kids, find something that like, it wasn't meeting a need, but something that we could really thrive in together. And so for us, that was spending time in nature. Again, like getting outside, getting a pass to a local arboretum. I'm really blessed that I live in Southern California, so we have great weather most of the year. Um, But hiking with my family, um, even, I mean, in the little days, like I would put the baby on me in the Bjorn and strap the two toddlers in the stroller and we would just walk because they yeah. were contained for a little bit. <laughs> and I could yeah. like put on worship music or just hear my own thoughts. And so those are little things I could do that just were incorporating, you know, motherhood, but finding a little bit of myself. And then to find something that was not, um, not tied to my kids or my motherhood um, that I could do and give a little, to, a little bit of myself to. And so for me, that was writing. I always knew that I was a writer that was kind of ingrained in me from a very young age, but it was something that I had let myself just, you know, in the tyranny of the urgent of all the things Mm -hmm. we have to do, I didn't make time for it. And so I slowly started making time. And I think that we all need some kind of outlet to remember Mm -hmm. who we are, the fullness of who God has made us to be. Um, And so I'd encourage, like, if you're feeling that way, if you're wrestling with that, what is that for you? It could look like time with friends or just asking your spouse, like, I need a long interrupted shower where I can be alone (laughs) with my thoughts. Um, You know, just finding something, maybe, maybe it's being creative. Maybe it's scrapbooking. Maybe it's photography. Like what is something that, you know, has nothing to do with the meeting needs of your kids, but it's just for the sake of nurturing your soul. And then lastly, I would say remembering that, that, that whatever motherhood season you're in, it will not always look like this. There will be another season to come. And for me, that really helped me, um, again, find joy and gratitude in the season I was in with my littles. And also it helped me hang on to hope. Like (laughs) one day I will be able to, um, you know, sit and have an extended quiet time with the Lord. I will be able to meet a friend for coffee and not be interrupted a thousand times and maybe finish a sentence, you know, and and that's (laughs) that's the season I'm in now. And so, um, it's, it's a really sweet season. And yet I'm also grateful for where I've come from. Yeah. Oh, that's also so good. So cultivating friendships in the thick of motherhood can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just mentioned that, like, if we can't even find time to finish a sentence, how can we cultivate a friendship? So what have you found to help you develop lasting relationships with other women? Mm-hmm. Well, 
first you have to start those friendships. So I'll speak to a couple of things. For me, that was when I was a, a young mom, I went through a season of intense loneliness. Mm, me too. Yeah. I, I felt super isolated. I had gone from working full time to being home and working part time from home. And I had quality women in my life, but no one in my same life stage. And um, so I, I, I really struggle with finding like, how do I make friends? How do I juggle like the baby's nap schedule. And I felt so awkward in my own motherhood skin. Like, how do I invite someone else into this? And so, um, for sure, like finding places where you can meet other women, like, um, a mops group or a women's ministry at your church is a great place. And then, um, when you kind of are in those situations, you have to take a risk. You have to reach out and, um, and initiate, um, with, with someone else. And then I feel like, you know, to develop those lasting friendships, find ways to do life together. So I mentioned, like, I liked going on walks with my boys. So when I was, like, fledgling as a young mom and just craving, um, you know, deeper connection with another, with another mom, another woman, I would ask. I would say, hey, I, you know, do you want to come on a walk with me? Like, let's load up our kids with all the snacks in the world, and maybe we'll get in a little conversation, a little exercise, and just – invite someone else into what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who, she's so funny. She, for some reason, she hated feeding her kids lunch. She's like, I, can I just skip lunch every day? <laughs> she's like, I can find a way to build in lunch to something else. Yeah. And so she'd be like, you know, we would meet at a park and she'd be like, can we bring lunch? Can we stay for lunch? I'd be like, yes, yes, we can stay for lunch. Um, so, you know, or maybe if you're, if you're treating yourself to a pedicure, invite a friend to to go with you. If you, you know, have to, you know, brave target or Costco with your kids, like find someone to do it with, um, is one thing. Another, the next thing I would say is be vulnerable. You have to let the real of you leak out and it will free others to do the same. Yeah. Um, because when we, we can do all those things, we can, go to our, you know, our church Bible study or our mops group. We can go on a walk. We can invite someone over. But if we keep everything just super pretty on the surface. Um, Superficial. <laughs> right. Like that's not how you're going to cultivate deep, lasting, meaningful friendships. Um, and it's actually the times where I have just let myself be the mess that I am that really I look back and I'm like, oh, like that's where that friendship really started because I was like, mm-hmm. really? I'm not fine. Really. I don't have it all together. Really. This is the thing that's hard in marriage, or this is the thing that I just feel so ill-equipped to deal with, with my son. And then letting someone into that space is where, um, vulnerability builds trust. It builds, um, connectedness. It builds being invested in each other's lives. Um, and then lastly, I like to say that like that, um, the soil where friendship grows, best is the soil of service. When we are ready to like, be first you have to be vulnerable, but when you're ready to, to let someone else in and, and meet the needs that you have, or you're ready to jump in and, you know, bring a meal or take a kid, um, you know, with you somewhere because that mom is overwhelmed or sick or something's going on in that family, that really when we come alongside and help carry each other's burdens, that for me is where my friendships have really grown deep roots because it's like, we're in this together. We're in it together. 
Uh, I love that so much because that's what this whole podcast is really about is just loving each other in tangible ways, being mm-hmm. God's hands and feet. Yeah, that's why I feel like we're here. And something that it just made, there's a group of girls I'm in this Bible study and they have started doing like, they clean each other's houses. I love they'll that. Have like a, they'll have like a play date and then they all just clean that girl's house and then they're done. And then the next week they move to a different house. And I think that's just such a sweet way to sort of fit it all in, like what you were just saying, and just to serve one another. So yes, um, and it, I absolutely love that. Yeah. And if you let someone like see your toilet, <laughs> especially if you have boys, like, I, I, I mean, you know, like that's, that's vulnerability. That's vulnerability. And you're gonna be like, okay, like, what we are in this together. There's no secrets. <laughs> no. So I, I love that. So another talk that you frequently give is on the topic of changing your perspective from burdened to blessed. Mm. What biblical insight would you share with women feeling burdened right now? Mm. Who isn't burdened, honestly, if we're right? being <laughs> transparent? Right. Um, so th- the scripture that comes to mind is one that's probably familiar to most of us, but I'm going to read it. And I don't want, if you're listening, I don't want you just to gloss over it. Like really listen, because for any of us who are feeling burdened and I'm coming to the table, I I feel burdened today. I do. I feel heavy by my to-do list. I feel the weight of suffering um, of people who I love, who are going through really, really difficult circumstances. Um, And yet this is what I go back to again and again. And these are Jesus's words from Matthew 11. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. And so what would I say to someone feeling burdened? I would say, Jesus sees you in it. He doesn't expect you not to feel this way. We don't have to feel guilty or ashamed of our burdens. We don't have to hide our weariness or try to fix it before we come to God. Jesus knows that life is hard. He knows that it is going to be too much for us to bear on our own. And so that's why he invites us to walk with him. He invites us. He's saying, come to me. Let me share your burdens. Um, when it, to take my yoke upon you means like hitch myself to you, like Like, let's be connected in such a way that now I am carrying the weight of your load and I'm also helping steer and guide the direction that you're going to carry it in. And I feel like there's just so much, um, there's so much hope in that. Um, Our bodies, especially, you know, talking about motherhood, our bodies still may crave uninterrupted sleep. We still (laughs) might pray for a resolve to a difficult circumstance. But what I found is that our souls really can find rest in Jesus, even when that, um, you know, situational burden doesn't lift, that really he does carry it with us. Amen. Uh, Well, so you are the community manager at Encourage, Mm -hmm. which is a vibrant online community for Christian women that publishes faith-based Me Too stories every day. Mm -hmm. What has this community of women meant to you personally? Oh, it has meant, it has meant so much. So Encourage is part of um, Dayspring, and it was started almost 10 years ago um, by uh, Holly Girth and Stephanie Bryant, who at the time were um, full-time employees for Dayspring. And 
they had this vision to create um, an online community for women to come and to share stories and um, be pointed to the hope of Christ. And I actually found it. And so that sounds like probably super normal now. Like there's so many things that kind of fit that description now, but a decade ago was like, you know, blogging and the internet was a very different place. And so really encouraged, like was one of the first places of its kind. And I remember I stumbled upon it um, near the very beginning and it actually met me in a place when I was feeling um, really alone and kind of floundering in my faith. And I remember um, a friend had given me um, a Lisa Leonard necklace. I don't know if you know who Lisa Leonard is, but she designs beautiful hand stamped jewelry. And so I had started following Lisa's blog and Lisa was one of the writers for Encourage. And one day on her blog, it was like, you know, click over to Encourage for the rest of the story. And I'd never heard of Encourage before, but I clicked over and I read that story. And then I read the next one and I read the next one. And suddenly I felt very much like I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who wrestles with deep questions of faith and motherhood and marriage. And to be honest, I grew up in the church, but at the time I felt like I was just seeing a a brand of just very like mediocre Christianity, like to show up on a Sunday and like, that's enough. And my heart knew that there was something more, that there was something deeper, but I felt like, am I making this up? Like, am I the only one who feels like like God has something more for me that like he wants to be like an infused part of my everyday life. And yet on my own, I didn't really know how to do that or what it looked like. So anyhow, when I found Encourage, I really found women who had my same heartbeat for the Lord. Um, and so I went on and I read Encourage for years and years, and it was um, really a home for my heart in a lot of ways. And then um, so it was like just this amazing privilege when about Two and a half, three years ago, I was invited to come on staff as an editor. So my background is in editing. So I came on Mm -hmm. staff um, and got to be part of of shaping and putting out words. We publish stories and devotions every day at Encourage.me. And then then at the beginning of last year, I stepped into the role of community manager. Lisa Jo Baker Mm -hmm. had served in that role beautifully for seven years, and she was feeling called in um, to new areas of work and ministry and so now I have the privilege of getting to help lead and steward this community and really it's just a place for women to come and to see through the gift of story what it looks like to live out our faith to wrestle with messy things to know that we don't have like neat bows at the end of our story but yet God is with us in it and so it's it's my greatest joy to get to be a part of this community. Mm, it's so beautiful. And I love your description. It was a home for my heart. Mm. That, it, it's so pretty. So what kinds of resources um, does Encourage offer for women to help them live out their faith practically? Well, like I mentioned, we have our website, encourage.me. It's encourage with an I, um, because when we are in Christ, we are <laughs> infused with courage is kind of where that came from. Um, yeah. But we also offer lots of amazing resources. Um, we have some Um, books and Bible studies. We have devotions, um, a devotional book. One of my favorite ones, it's called A Moment to Breathe. Doesn't that title just (laughs) like, it gives some peace. Yes. I think that (laughs) subtitle is something like um, uh, everyday stories to meet you in the mess of life or something like that. But um, I have the joy of, I have, I think I have seven stories in that book and they're just like 
super short little stories and then a scripture and a reflection. Um, but one of my favorite things, and it's, um, it's our newest resource. It came out in October with the Encourage Devotional Bible. And it's by mm-hmm. Lifeway. And um, you guys, it's so pretty. Like I'm holding it in my hands right now. And one, it's just like, it's beautifully laid out. There are 10 custom reading plans um, based upon different themes, themes like um, the scared brave, beautiful brokenness, better together, imperfect hospitality. And, um, and then from those 10 themes, there are over 300 devotions. So what Encourage wow. is known for, these you know, beautiful stories connecting scripture to everyday life. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a really, it's a beautiful Bible. It's really helped me reignite my desire to spend time daily with the Lord. So that's my favorite thing at Encourage right now. And, and that it's available on dayspring.com and, and really, I mean, Amazon, anywhere you can find books at that Barnes and Noble, but the Encourage Devotional Bible is my favorite thing right now. Okay. And I will include all of those links to purchase those in our show notes as well. Cause I know that would be something I would for sure be interested in as well. Um, I read a tender post that you wrote about needing Jesus as you've been wading through the grief after losing your father. Mm. And, and I'm so sorry to hear that he had passed. Um, Thank you. So what recommendations would you give to listeners who might be experiencing grief today? Mm. Well, first, I would extend the same words to you, um, friend listening, that I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, and I would say, take yourself off of a grieving timetable. So my dad actually passed. It's been eight years now. And what my grief journey looks like today is very different than it looked like, you know, eight years ago. But still, I would say it's a journey. It's not something, a a loss um, of any kind. It's not something to get over. It's something to walk through. And for Mm -hmm. me, I think it it does. It it marks you. It, It in some ways defines you. But that doesn't mean it has to hold you back from continuing to move forward and live life. Um, One thing that was really helpful, and I wish I could remember the name of the little booklet, but someone had given me a little booklet on grief. And this little phrase, which sounds a little cheesy, but it was so helpful to me. And it said this, you can't heal what you don't feel. You can't heal what you don't feel. And that really gave me permission to feel my feelings. And even now, eight years later, when, um, when my, when I'm at the little league field, my boys are playing baseball and my dad loved baseball and he would have just been so delighted to see his grandkids, um, play ball. And those, you know, feelings of, of sadness or longing, you know, bubble over. I don't have to push it down. It's not, I'm not doing myself or anyone else, any favors to, to push it down or to feel like I shouldn't feel that way anymore, or I should just be grateful for what I have. Those things are all true, but I can't, make space in my heart for what is if I don't allow myself to feel um, the feelings that I'm going through today. And so part of that um, is being honest with yourself, your friends, and your family of where you are. Um, And I found that doing so in just really simple words became a really powerful tool because sometimes I could just feel so swallowed in my own grief that I felt like I, I don't have the capacity to let someone else in, or I don't know, like what if they're not tender with me or what if they don't understand or what if someone else thinks that I should be over it by now and I'm not. Um, and so, you know, with my husband, even I would just say simple things like, Hey, I just want, you to know, like, um, like I'm missing my dad a lot today, mm-hmm. or I just, I just need a hug. 
Yeah. Or, um, you know, this is reminding me of such and such. Or I suddenly had this memory. Can I share it with you? Or even just texting a friend. I've had a few friends who have lost parents at a young age also. And um, just saying, um, you know, I'm, today's a struggle. Will you pray for me? So just those yeah. little things of reaching out, of acknowledging where you're at, not trying to be somewhere you're not, and inviting mm-hmm. other people in. Um, at least for me, those have been some really helpful things on, on my grief journey. Yeah, that seems to be sort of the theme of, of a lot of what you have talked about, mm-hmm. the common thread of just being real mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and communicating this, this is me, this is how I feel, mm-hmm. and let's just, um, let's talk, it, talk through it. Yeah. Uh, so you also readily admit that you are the kind of girl who feels, who likes feeling accomplished. Four years ago, you made a vow to take productivity off of her pedestal. And many of us might admit that we have put productivity on a pedestal as well. How have you been able to find balance between productivity and rest? Oh, man. (laughs) This one. (laughs) Anyone else feel like you might have to learn the same lesson over and over again? Please, please tell me I'm not the only one. <laughs> You're not the only one. Okay. Me too. Okay. Because um, I realized I'm like, oh, I did make that vow to take productivity off her pedestal. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just reminded you. Right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this, yeah, I am I'm wired as a doer. I yeah. am wired um, to get things done. I'm not super into the Enneagram, but I've taken some of the tests and I have a friend who, who I like talking about it with. And if anyone knows about that, like I'm totally a three. Like I am a, I am an achiever through and through. And so, um, you know, finding like how to lean into my strength of that and yet also to recognize like that I am not a machine. I am not a human doing, I am a human being. Mm, Um, and so for me, one thing that has really helped is practicing Sabbath, taking time every week to set apart a day to rest. Um, Shelly Miller's book, Rhythms of Rest, was a huge um, gift to me in this process and really learning to acknowledge, okay, God made 24 hours in a day. Apparently, he thought that was a good idea. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> my, that should be enough. <laughs> apparently, those are the boundaries he has set. Just like I set boundaries for my kids and they push and push and I feel like I push God you know, give me more hours, give me more days. Like I can't possibly get it all done in 24 hours, six days a week. But if he says, yes, like that's the boundary I've given you, then what does it look like to trust that and lean in? So I had, I have to make myself do that in really practical ways. So like I take a nap on Sundays. One, I love naps. So it's really not <laughs> that big of a sacrifice. But, yeah. but when you, I, like, I am just in, and I have been for a long time, just in a really intense season of work. I was, before this, I was um, in graduate school, and then I went straight from graduating into writing my book. And um, I mean, just anyone who's listening, we all have a lot on our plates. And so for me, taking a nap on Sunday afternoon when I could be getting things done was a way of saying, God, like, I trust you. I trust that you have a gift of rest for me. I trust that you did not make a mistake in giving me this finite body that does get weary, that you didn't make a mistake in setting these limits and boundaries. Um, And that my worth ultimately is in you and not in what I do. Mm -hmm. And that really is the root of taking productivity off its pedestal. Um, Believing that 
I'm not going to earn God's love by the, all the things that I do for him and all the shiny gold stars that I want to earn. Um, I have the privilege of partnering with him in all the, these different ways in motherhood and marriage and writing and ministering to women. But, um, but really he doesn't need me. It's, it's a gift. So, so I take a nap on Sundays. I try to really be present with my family. Um, I try to, I'm trying to create healthier boundaries in work. When you work from home and have mm-hmm. the, the gift of constant connectivity, it's really easy yeah. to be constantly connected. <laughs> so I'm trying to like, you know, I set a little timer on my phone for, you know, how to gauge my social media use, trying to put my phone away when my kids get home from school and, um, you know, know that like the work can wait and I can be with them. So, but mostly I would say if you're someone who's struggling with, taking productivity off her pedestal. Um, every day I ask God, what's the one next thing you want me to do? What's the one next thing? Okay. And now what's the one next thing? My list feels too long and my anxiety rises, but what's the one next thing? And then when I get to the end of the day, I have to trust God. I have to trust that I have heard his voice, that he has been faithful and that he will do it all again the next day. And that whatever doesn't get done, um, is in his hands. I love that. Just staying in step with his spirit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about there's such a difference between busyness and productivity. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like I've been studying about pruning Mm. and how, you know, things can bear fruit. There's lots of things that bear fruit, but he's pruning us because he wants to bear us to bear much fruit. Yeah. And so as I'm hearing you say all this, it's about being truly productive for his kingdom is bearing much fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, So this all just really resonates with me. You often write about growing faith. You state that the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I find him in places far from printed scripture or my Sunday morning best, or should I say that God finds me the beautiful, broken, heart wrenching, soul soaring work of doing life with and in and for Jesus Christ. So Becky, how would you say that we can continue to grow and mature in our faith? Hmm. I think it's so important that we identify ways that we uniquely connect with God. So when I said, like, I find him in places far from printed scripture or my Sunday morning best, um, I mean, I've already alluded to this, but really like, I feel closest to the Lord when I'm in nature. Like if you go to my Instagram feed, you'll see um, lots of pictures of, um, of shady trails and sun shining through. And that's where I feel like my soul breathes and I commune with God in a way that um, is not better. It's just different than maybe when I'm sitting in church or listening to a sermon. And so to recognize that God is not, he's not in any little boxes that we can put him in. Um, and so I think it's so important to find like, how has God wired you? and designed you specifically and uniquely to connect with him. So that could be, um, you know, blasting worship music in the car or painting or sitting outside and just listening. Or um, I have some friends that do a kind of yoga called holy yoga, where Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, specifically like meditating on scripture while they're doing these particular, you know, exercises. Or maybe it's like serving in church, you know, I think of like Brother Lawrence who communed with God as he was, you know, washing dishes. There's so many different ways that we can um, connect with the Lord. But I, I think to ask yourself, like, where do you hear from God and lean in to that? 
And then of course, of course, scripture, we can't know God apart from his word. Right. I can know parts of him by looking out at at my window and I see this hummingbird (laughs) that likes to rest on this wire outside my window that I'm sitting at looking at right now. And I can learn something about God's character and about how he gives his creatures rest and how he invites me to that. But I can't know the fullness of God apart from scripture. So spending time in his word. And if that feels uh, scary or uh, intimidating, then find a friend or, um, you know, someone to say, can you show me how, can you show me how to read my Bible? I was a Christian for, um, probably like 15 years before I, I mean, I, I came to the Lord as a child, but still I really went through all of like my adolescence, not knowing how to read my Bible. And, mm-hmm. um, so if you are in that place of feeling like, I don't, I don't know how to read my Bible. That's okay. Like, Again, be honest, be vulnerable, and let someone show you what it looks like to spend daily time in God's word, um, because really, like, that is where your faith is going to grow, and you're going to get to know who God is, what his word promises, and really how he wants to walk um, through life with you. Yeah, absolutely. I read that you feel like I'm doing what I was made for when I'm speaking to women about God's fierce witness. What does this fierce withness mean and how do we obtain it? Hmm. I love that term. I, I, I coined his fierce withness to mean, means God's presence is fiercely always with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of my anchor verse for this is um, Deuteronomy 31, 8. And it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And this was at the moment where Moses was basically passing the baton to Joshua saying, my time leading the people of Israel is done and you are going to be the one to lead them into the promised land. But Joshua didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. He didn't know what was going to um, be waiting for him on the other side. He didn't know the challenges that he would face. I mean, that's, a pretty daunting thing to be asked to do. And I feel Mm -hmm. like in our lives, there's so many times that we feel like life is daunting or we feel like we feel alone or we feel ill-equipped or we feel underprepared. And so I have to remind myself and call us out to remember like that God is fiercely with us. Um, And when we're asking God, like, will you provide for me? Will you prepare me? The best promise of God's provision and preparation is his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does that mean to obtain it? Well, that means to claim that truth. And part of claiming that truth is um, remembering what God has said. And I love, so, so that verse was from Deuteronomy 31, 8. But then we see at the beginning of Joshua, when Joshua now is officially, Moses has died and Joshua is officially um, the leader of the people of Israel. And uh, again, God reminds him and he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I think it's so important for us, um, you know, if we're at that place of feeling alone or feeling like where God, where are you in this? That we have to look back and remember what God has already done. Joshua could say, okay, as God was with Moses, I could see clearly how God was with Moses in all these ways. As he was with Moses, so he will be with me. 
And then later in, in Joshua uh, 1 verse 9, again, God says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hmm. If that's not God's fierce commitment, <laughs> I don't know what is. Like, so yeah. I just, I, I have to, I remind myself that of all, you know, all the time when I'm facing something and I feel like I don't, you know, it's an adequacy in motherhood or I feel, um, you know, like I, what if I don't have what it takes to, to write this book or to do this thing? Um, God goes with me every day in the good and the bad and the promised land and the dark valleys. God is fiercely with us. Uh, that's such a good reminder. I absolutely love that. You also call God your great gap filler. How has he done this for you? And how would you suggest that he do the same for us? Hmm. Well, it kind of goes into what I was just saying about, um, you know, those feelings of inadequacy or those feelings of having a lack or being underprepared for something. Um, and oftentimes I find that there is a disparity between what I have to give and what is needed. Mm, um, yeah. And so when I think about this, my favorite story is, again, one that most of us probably are super familiar with, and it's the miracle of multiplication. It's the story yeah. of the five loaves and the two fish. Um, and what I love is that this story is found in all of the Gospels, but I really love reading it out of Matthew. It's found in Matthew 14. And um, just to remind ourselves, this is what it says. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So there was a huge gap between what they had, five loaves of bread and two fish, and what was needed to feed over 5,000 people. And actually, it was the scripture says it was 5,000 men, which with all the women and children, I mean, maybe it could have easily been 10,000 people. Okay, yeah. so talk about a gap. Like, that's, <laughs> right, that's a big that's one. A, that's a big gap. <laughs> And I know that often in my life, I find that, you know, often connected to productivity, I have a gap in between the time that I have and what is required of me. And so I, I take this story and I look at what Jesus models for us. How does God become our gap filler? And this is what I love, that he took what he already had. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. I think what we do when we are in this place of feeling like what we have to give is not enough for what is needed is that we start by giving thanks for what we already have. Mm, that's good. And so for me, that often is time. Um, you know, I feel like, God, I don't, I don't look at my to-do list. I don't have enough time. Well, I start by giving thanks. God, thank you for these 30 minutes to sit down and reply to these emails. God, thank you that I can sit down and fold <laughs> this laundry. Thank you that you've given me these kids to wear them. Um, God, 
I feel like I don't have enough words. Okay, but thank you for all these words you've already given me. You've already helped me write these chapters or write these blog posts or, you know, prepare for this podcast. God, take what I have and now make it more than enough. And I love that that's God's heart. That's his character. Like he didn't just give meagerly. He gave abundantly. There was more than enough. The people were satisfied. And so I think that, you know, every day when we are faced with those gaps in our lives to, to recognize what we already have, give thanks for it, and then trust that God has the power to change it and transform it into what is needed. Yeah. I love the word satisfied. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as I'm thinking about what you're talking about, it's, I think sometimes that gap for me keeps me humble, number one, but then always keeps me dependent on him because absolutely. We, just, we absolutely cannot do this life without him. Right. So how can we keep in contact with you and, um, and the encourage, um, devotions and, um, can you keep a, give us some of your contact information? Yeah, of course. Well, my favorite place to connect online is Instagram and you can just find me at Becky Keefe. And, um, that's where I share God's fingerprints in my life and encouragement about, um, motherhood and growing faith and lots of things that we've talked about today. Um, you can also find all the things at my website, beckykeith.com. And then I would love for you to come and check out Encourage. So it's um, I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E, encourage.me. And you can sign up to receive um, our monthly newsletter, which is amazing. Uh, we call it the best thing in your email inbox. And <laughs> um, as well as our daily devotions. And we have lots of things you know, happening all the time, exciting new resources that we're launching. We're currently doing um, our first online Bible study using the Encourage Devotional Bible, which unfortunately, um, you know, our, our listeners won't be able to hop on that for this time. But if you sign up um, to receive our emails at Encourage, then you'll be notified the next time that we start one. And that's just been, you know, a beautiful experience with over 5,000 women coming together and spending time in wow. God's word. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Becky, thank you so much for being my guest today. I appreciate your time and your transparency and all of your encouragement. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Rachel. It's been a joy to, to spend this time with you. All right. God bless you. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the love offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time. Thank you.